0: My friends, a few months ago, I read a article that appeared in Forbes magazine a few years back. It was entitled uh, "The Top Eight Things People Desire But Can't Seem to Obtain." The author said it's more—it's becoming more obvious with each passing year that the things we humans desperately long for today are not only universal and timeless but also have become even more elusive and challenging to access and sustain even as we quote unquote evolve and develop in this tech frenzied, time crushing world. You know, there's much I uh, agree with uh, in this article. You know, it's not too surprising that when readers of Forbes magazine were asked, what do you want more of in life? that money was very high in list. Number two, people who read financial magazines want more money. This is not a revelation. More interesting to me, however, were the other responses, which seemed really to get to the heart of the human condition, to get to the heart of our innate desires as human persons. Happiness, of course, was number one. People desire happiness. It's universal and timeless, but more and more, it seems these days, we cannot seem to obtain it. Freedom was number three on the list, and peace and joy and fulfillment, these were all on the list. All increasingly elusive, it seems, and challenging to access and sustain, no doubt, because our world is becoming increasingly secular. Also interesting were the perceived obstacles, the challenges to achieving these desires. The respondents said, not knowing who I am, not knowing my true purpose, being bogged down by the daily struggles of work, I would add, instead of being sanctified by it, not believing that I have anything to offer. My friends, I'm sure uh, that these innate desires resonate with all of us and that many of us, uh, some of these obstacles, these challenges to achieving these desires also resonates. Well, no doubt most of us desire a few bucks these days. These are challenging financial times. But deeper still, all of us desire happiness and freedom and peace and joy. We desire to be fulfilled as a human person. These are each of our deepest desires. And those who struggle most with satisfying these desires, perhaps especially during this busy season, are those who have not fully entered into this, pe- this season of hope. Those who are on this third Sunday of Advent, what we call Gaudete Sunday, which means rejoice, those who are struggling to rejoice. Those who don't daily encounter the incarnate Lord in our midst, those who are not preparing to meet Him face to face. Today we lit the rose-colored candle, and I've donned our our our, our parish's rose-colored vestments. They uh, are in contrast, sharp contrast, really, to the violet candles and vestments, which are symbolic of the penitential period of waiting that we are in. Rose, of course, symbolizes subdued joy, and it's rose, it's not pink. It's purposely rose. Roses are beautiful. We rejoice at their beauty, all the while knowing that roses have thorns. Roses, then, are reminders that discipleship is amazing. But it is not without suffering. There are many struggles along the way of discipleship. For some here, the struggles are overwhelming at times. Many struggle to find joy and peace during this season. Many are lonely and depressed. Many are suffering in all kinds of other ways. Many have lost someone dear to them. In this past year, maybe in the past weeks or months, or maybe it was a long time ago, but this time each year is very difficult, a painful reminder of their absence. Many struggle to see God's presence among difficulties seemingly crushing them each day, perhaps infertility or miscarriage, suffering, chronic illness, addiction, financial woes, difficult marriages, and on and on. Many question whether God loves them or is even present because it is just so hard sometimes. They struggle to believe that God is a God of love and mercy, that he cannot be absent. But Jesus is the way. He is the way. And all those Things we rightly desire, this happiness and freedom and peace and joy and fulfillment are all ours in Christ Jesus, in faith and through his grace. They may be challenging to access and sustain at times. That tech-frenzied and time-crushing world this article uh, references does distract us. Suffering can overwhelm us at times. It can cause us even to doubt. But these desires are not elusive. Happiness is not elusive. And so we rejoice. The world is a mess. Since the fall has been a dumpster fire, if you will, God wouldn't have needed to enter into his creation. He would not have taken on our flesh if it weren't seriously broken but his love overcomes our pain. And even if our pain remains, his love, his mercy, gives us hope. And so in faith, through our Lord's abundant grace, we rejoice. You know, we read from the book of Isaiah every year at this time. And as I've been saying, preaching about, you think we are a mess. Israel was far, far worse. They were very much divided, nearly annihilated, greatly reduced. There was so, so much suffering in the nation of Israel. Yet Isaiah rejoiced because of his faith in God and of his hope in the restoration of Israel. Isaiah dreamt of a time when the southern Judean desert would rejoice, a time when we'll see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. He is, of course, speaking metaphorically. We are obviously speaking of Jesus, the incarnate Lord we are preparing to receive into our hearts more deeply at Christmas and here right now in this and every Holy Mass. And at the end of time, we will see him face to face. The God-made man who is the glory of the Lord, the splendor of God. Jesus is the one who strengthens the hands that are feeble. He makes firm the knees that are weak. He says to those whose hearts are afraid, be strong, fear not. It is Jesus who comes to save, and it is through him and in him that the blind will see. The deaf will hear, the lame will leap, and the mute will sing. Be clear, Isaiah is not only speaking in physical terms, more importantly in fact he's speaking of the bl- of those who are blind to god's truth who will see and respond to this truth. those who are deaf to his word at a time when they will hear and act upon it, a time when those wounded by sin will be le- will be healed and will leap with joy and a time but those whose mouths are closed to speaking the good news, closed to our duty of evangelization, will sing his praises from the mountaintops in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our friend groups, everywhere. And the desert will then rejoice. No doubt it is to those who struggle with happiness and peace and joy and on and on, that the Lord especially speaks to today through the prophet Isaiah, reminding us that these innate human desires are not elusive. They are accessible and and sustainable through faith and in God's abundant grace. Maybe it is to those who suffer during this season that we get this great prophet John the Baptist, for he asked his question from prison where he was enduring great suffering perhaps it is to us who are struggling perhaps even with doubts in our faith that he poses this important question perhaps more for us than for him are you the one who is to come or should we look for another you know even the most faithful among us can struggle with doubts at times Last week, recall John the Baptist said, the one who is coming after him is mightier than him, that he wasn't even worthy to carry his sandals. John's imprisonment, his great suffering there, was perhaps putting his faith to the test. No doubt it was. He had encountered and experienced Jesus in surely happier times. It had seemed as if everything was falling into place, that the kingdom was at hand. Yet now, it seemed things were not working out as he had hoped or he thought it would. He's in prison for speaking God's truth. But John the Baptist is a man of faith. Jesus is very complimentary at the end of today's gospel, makes this abundantly clear. He believed in the prophecy of Isaiah that the Messiah the anointed one would bring good news to the afflicted, would proclaim liberty to captives, release to prisoners. But under the crucible of the prison, his faith was being tested. So he asks that simple question. Are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? You know, Jesus could have said, yes, I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come. I am here. Why didn't he? Why did Jesus respond by simply pointing to Isaiah's prophetic signs? Tell them the blind gain their sight, the lame walk, and on and on. Well, perhaps to allow John, to allow all of us to respond in faith. Obviously, the Baptist got the message. He ultimately won his martyr's crown. But until then, he waited patiently for Jesus to bring about the kingdom. And as James said in the second reading, he acted in faith like the farmer who waits for the precious fruit of the earth. He was patient. You know, four times St. James speaks about the virtue of patience. God is patient. He's patient with all of us. We're called to be patient with him. We're called to be patient with each other. We're called to be patient with ourselves. You know, impatience is rooted in pride, and it is an obstacle to the innate desires of our hearts and minds, happiness and freedom and peace and joy and fulfillment. These desires will remain elusive if we, consumed by pride and struggling with impatience, reject God's will and force our own wills on the situation. These innate desires will be challenging to access and sustain in our tech-frenzy time-crushing world. If we place worldly desires, money and stuff and pleasure, above other worldly supernatural desires. And again, John the Baptist is our model. He rejects what our fallen natures tend to turn to instead of God, possessions and pleasure and power and prestige. He clearly rejects these worldly temptations and embraces his innate dignity. He knew to his deepest core that he was a beloved son of the Heavenly Father. My friends, we don't need to move out to the desert. We don't need to eat any bugs or wear any sort of hair shirts. We simply have to be detached of things of this world. We need to continue to seek the higher things. We need to trust in the Lord. This is how John the Baptist was able to be happy. This is how he was able to overcome his doubts and this perhaps crisis of faith. This is how he was able to be free even in prison, and to have peace and joy and be completely fulfilled as a man, because he had discovered the source of all these innate desires, Jesus Christ. And despite great suffering and God's mysterious and sometimes very slow-moving plan, he had faith, which led to hope, which led to unconditional love and the fulfillment of all his desires. I pray that each of us will long for the coming of the Lord as John the Baptist did, that we'll eagerly look for him throughout this season of hope, that we'll respond to the graces we receive from him in abundance each day, that we may find true and everlasting peace and joy, that we find happiness that nothing of this world can provide, thereby give praise and glory to the source of all this joy so that we can then help others to discover this same joy. Let us all rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice and may God be praised. Amen.